0: Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby. Episode 27 here on the podcast, and today we welcome in assistant coach Brandon Brantley, a former Boilermaker in his own right. We'll get into all that later. First of all, he's back from a extended vacay.
1: Clis, how are you this morning? Really good. The uh, weather a little bit different than I've been used to the last few weeks, but uh, other than that, at least it keeps you focused. I mean, it wakes you up in a hurry when that blast of cold air hits you when you walk outside. So I'm getting spoiled, but glad to be back. Looking forward to the start of the season, and it's always a pleasure to have the big cat with us. The big cat in the house, uh, in
0: studio with us, uh, Coach Brantley. Welcome.
2: Thank you, guys, for having
0: me. We will get into uh, get into a lot of stuff with uh, with Coach Brantley, and um, I want to start. I want to start with. Uh, before you got to Purdue and, uh, just grew up, uh, up the road in the region, uh, Andrean High School. Uh, talk to us a little bit about, um, kind of you growing up and your, and how you first got into basketball.
2: Um, my dad, I mean, like anywhere else in the state, um, everybody in the region was basketball crazy. My dad, um, uh, played at Frable High School. Um, which is no longer open. I think it closed early 70s. Um, but um, I was I was actually born in Gary, raised in East Chicago, and went to school in Gary all of my life, so I was back and forth between the two cities and uh, a lot of basketball tradition. Um, as a little kid, um, wasn't interested in basketball very much. I mean, I kind of played and was around it, but um, I was like, just a normal kid wanted to ride my bike play outside and um uh, as i got older i think maybe when i got to middle school is when i started um taking a serious interest um in the game and um you know like most kids man the the national programs are always on television so i was kind of familiar with north carolina and um georgetown was actually my team um Uh, some other programs, Um, but I went to Purdue's camp maybe, uh, uh, I went two years, fifth grade and sixth grade, and so I always kind of, I liked Purdue, and I felt like it was my school just because I I came down here and went to camp, and Coach Weber remembered me, and I run around Mackey, and probably one of the worst campers of all time. <laughs> I got the participation trophy. <laughs> but, um, as I got older, um, I started to grow and, um, started coming into my own and Purdue was, the, uh, uh, the first high major, uh, program to contact me. Coach Weber actually remembered me. And so, um, I would come down to, um, um, some games and, um, was on campus a lot, I know a lot of people down here, so when it was time for me to make my decision, um, you know, it was easy for me. When did you,
0: now, with, did your love of basketball start because you started getting taller, or when did that happen, when did your when did your height kick in?
2: Um, Probably when I got to 8th grade, between my 8th eighth, eighth grade and freshman year, I, I kind of hit a, a growth spurt, and... Uh, all of my friends, I mean, everybody was just into basketball. So it was, you know, it was a thing to do, and I enjoyed it. Um, when I was younger, my, I sucked. And then I I just I started getting better, and I was like, man, like, you know, this is fun. And, um, you know, I remember the first time I, I dunked the ball, and just I just felt myself getting, you know, better and better. And so it was just, I kind of took off from there.
0: I don't think we can relate to dunking the
1: ball, can we? I dunked once in a game in high school. I was six three, of course. Back in those days, in the mid '60s, nobody could jump or defend. But I, I and did. Rim- and the only way I could do it was I had to have stickum on my hand. So you, so you like And I actually that. got a picture. I got a picture of. It. I mean, think of that.
0: You There's were like, a picture of it. That's pretty incredible. So yeah. you were like that pitcher that had the Vaseline under his hat. Oh, yeah. And his oh, and yeah. The, you know, I was nail genie- board under I was in his genie- back pocket. Well, I don't
1: think it was illegal. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but that's the only way I could do it. But I do have a picture of it, which is really cool. I'll show it to you guys sometimes because I know you're both really interested. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, when we start our podcast website, that will be prominently displayed. Oh, absolutely,
1: yeah.
0: So... Uh, so go through, uh, Brandon, your, your high school time at uh, Andrean. Um, and then just your recruitment, you kind of hinted on a little bit, a, a relationship with Coach Weber. When did Coach Katie start entering the mix?
2: Um, he would, um, he would call me. Um, um, let me see. It was after my sophomore year. Um, they used to have a regional camp in, uh, up in Rensselaer, St. Joe's, called BC. And um, that's what Coach Weber watched me play um, I thought I did okay um, and, and that's when It, it really kind of took off And that's when uh, Coach Weber called me And I think I would start I went to a bunch of games my junior year And um, um, Got to know Coach Katie um, I know he would he called me a bunch that year uh, Came up to um, uh, Some practices I don't think he came to a game <coughs> Um uh, And then, of course, uh, going into my senior year, um, um, boy, he probably called me once or twice a week and came up for a home visit, uh, came to some practices. um, uh, So what did you think of that dude first time when you ran into Coach Katie? I liked him, man. Coach was intense. Um, Yeah, he um, was intense. Bob Knight was a guy like, I was like, boy, I don't know if I could do this one. You know, he was... I couldn't. I couldn't like really figure him out, and it just it, it seemed like it, it, was, it was it would be a really tough time <laughs> for a guy like me at least. <laughs> but I liked Coach because he was um, he was like he was fun to be around, but you know he was also intense. You know I knew he wasn't a pushover. I knew it was going to be tough as well. Um, but like off the court, you know he was. It was just something about him that that I really liked.
0: Well, you end up. Committing to Purdue, and then you were part of some of the glory years of Purdue basketball. Um, Three straight outright Big Ten championships, 94, 95, 96. uh, A feat that hadn't been done since the 1960, 61, 62 Ohio State Buckeye team. Jerry Lucas, Havlicek, that group. Yeah, a group that uh, Cliz is familiar with. Teams that he grew up um, rooting for. And you come in, and and, uh, like I said, kind of the glory years. um, Did you have a sense... I guess once you committed to Purdue, that big things were on the horizon, or were you just worried about your own self and getting to Purdue and all that stuff?
2: I wanted to, uh, I wanted to win because you know you when we got here, you know I was like, boy, I don't know if our team's going to be really good. The Big Ten the, that year, the conference was was really really good, and uh, uh, we didn't go to the tournament. And I remember when was that, ninety three? That was ninety two and i remember oh, um, herb dove was my roommate and we were sitting in the dorm room after the season we were watching the tournament on cbs and it, and we were just like i don't think we said it but it was like boy this sucks man we we're sitting here watching <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know especially teams that you went up against and it was, you know they and they playing and you know it you know during the tournament um, when you're on that stage everybody gets the attention and you know we're just sitting back just like man i didn't sign up for this you know and I redshirted the next year, and um, it was the first year Glenn came in. Uh, We got to the tournament, but we lost to uh, Rhode Island in the first round. And Wake uh, Forest boy, coach was pissed off after that. And I remember uh, (laughs) the whole summer, man. He made everybody. We had to get up at about six in the morning and work out. Um, But we really went at it, man. We was uh, the pickup games that summer were intense. Uh, Boy, I remember. Those early morning workouts with Greg Layman, weights in the morning, and we did like plyometrics in the afternoon, and we played, and so everybody was just locked in that whole summer, and then just it just came together. But our our camaraderie was so good, you know, we did everything as a team, and uh, when we got on the court, it was it was just so much easier to to play with each other. But we had also you know matured um, uh, physically and mentally because you know we're two years on campus, and so um with other guys moving along and um you know we got the indiana was 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 the team to beat and um, i was like man we're we gonna get past these guys this year they were still really tough but uh, you know i felt like we were we were better
0: you uh you talked about <coughs> when you miss the tournament like that and i know for fans when your team doesn't make the tournament not just purdue fans but any team any team's fan base out there when you miss in march that's a long two three four weeks to watch that tournament and that's and as bad as it is for fans when you're involved with the team and you sit back and you think i should be working right now and you're not boy that's a that's a rough feeling and Mm. i can only imagine as a player and at the time when you came in it's not like it was a novelty to get to the tournament it was expected so to miss the to miss the dance like that um is a big deal and you talked about a little unusual path for you, in the fact that you played as a freshman and then redshirted. So, what was the what was the whole process like of that? And when did how did they come back to you as a sophomore and say, "Hey, big guy, we're gonna we're gonna sit you down for a year"? And how'd that go over? <laughs> I I was originally
2: supposed to redshirt my uh, freshman year, but front line was 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 thin. And um, I remember when, when we first came in, uh, we played pickup ball, and I was. I would compete, man. Mm-hmm. I would go against. the I was boy. My dad calls me the, the world's smallest Big Ten center. But I would, I would, I wasn't. You know, I wouldn't back down from anybody, and I would play. And Tony Jones, with would, he, would, he was always telling the coaches, like, man, he can help us this year. And I'm like, and I'm like, boy, I could probably get about 20 minutes. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> 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 and so I wasn't physically ready. How you much know. did you weigh? Uh, about 190 pounds. <laughs> and, he, and he looked it, you know. and so um, you know it was rough, man. I I would have to go against Iron Stand back and practice every day, and Iron was man, he was stronger. He was a better player, and uh, he knew I couldn't use my left hand, so he wouldn't <laughs> let me use my right. And it was I thought it was the, the best thing for me because you know I, I not only not only learned how to compete at that level, but um, you know it forced me to get better. And so early on. I didn't see um, a lot of minutes. Sometimes I didn't see minutes at all, and um, I got to maybe the uh, midway point in the Big Ten season, and uh, some guys weren't playing well, and, and I just kept at it, and and I started getting you know more time and more time, and, um, and then I get to my sophomore year, and I wanted to play, and my you know my my, my mom and dad were like, nope, nope, and so they went in. And, Coach is gonna play me. They went in. And said, nope, nope. He's red shirting in. Really? So, yeah, and I red shirted. How about so. that? Yeah. Parents uh, took control, huh? Oh man, just punked me. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: as as the old adage, "Mama knows best," that that uh, certainly benefited you. But think about how unusual that is. You know, we're oh, yeah. in an age now, and and you know this when you were as you recruit kids. Everybody wants to come in and play right fun. away. And the thought of coming in and developing and redshirting really doesn't enter anybody's mind, especially in the recruiting process. Very rarely do you see a kid that you say, you know what, we want to take you, but this is what we envision. We envision you redshirting and then being really good down the road. That's Those days are over. Oh man! Every
2: everybody's an NBA player now, you know. Oh, yeah. Right, and, and, the par- I mean, I, and the parents buy in. Mm-hmm. And I for kinda, the most part, I kind of knew. I was like, "Boy, I, I do. I got to get stronger." And it was it was one of the benefits of, of being around a guy like Big Dog because he was so good. And it was like, "Boy, you know, like if I could just be half as good as him, I think I'd be okay." How know? far you have to go, right? <laughs> you know, and I and I think like sometimes. I don't know if it's just this culture, but everybody just feels like, you know, yeah, I'm getting to the league, and, you know, I, I never thought that, you know, it was my dream to to be an NBA player, but I knew, like, just by being around him, I'm like, you know, man, like, well, I got to get going, man. I got to get stronger. I got to get better, and so.
0: <laughs> so 93, 94 would be your redshirt sophomore year. Um, you guys kind of, and as you mentioned, the Big Ten in those days loaded.
1: Oh, yeah. uh, I mean Payne always talks about it yeah and, he, and
0: yeah think about that we talk about that a lot as we look in you know we, we may be on the road going over to Columbus or up to Ann Arbor and you talk about you know the Fab Five you know oh. Jimmy Jackson's teams you know Michael Finley Wisconsin Sean Respert of Michigan State all the, the Iowa teams that you know were oh. so good A.C. Yeah. Earl and all those guys yeah. just loaded around the league and as you mentioned, you miss the tournament, you come back, have a decent year, you're you would be your redshirt year, and then your redshirt sophomore year, your third year at Purdue, it, it kinda takes off from there.
2: Glenn, first of all, you know, Glenn and Conzo just they got to be better. They were at the at the point where they were two of the best players in the league. Glenn was undoubtedly the best player in the league. And so, you know, when you got a guy like that on your team, you got a chance to win any game. You know, he was he was just that good. And um, uh, but we had we had a good team. Porter Roberts was man he was he was just a, a tough competitor, you know never backed down, played with a chip on his shoulder, had a, had a motor. Um, Zo Zoe was just tough. he, he was uh, definitely our leader in the locker room and, and on the court. Uh, and everybody else just we just we just kind of you know fell in and, and and played our roles. So
1: I think one of the interesting things about that those teams and that particular team in '94 is that and I've often discussed this with people is that Conzo uh, and Glenn had a, a, a swagger that you rarely see. I mean, you see it, but not at Purdue, really. to Be honest with you, over the years, and that team had. I mean, those two guys, and I used to always just marvel, and I've, I've said this a lot of times in speeches, you know, Glenn always practiced hard. I mean, he was always the great guy to watch practice, because most cases in my lifetime, you'll see the best players also be the best practice players. I guess there's a reason that they're good. right? And uh, But those guys had that swagger about them, and then Konzo, of course, kept it when, when Glenn left. I mean, Konzo was always that way, so... And that, would, that was that was really special. That was a little bit different. And some people call it cockiness. Other people call it you know you're too confident. Oh, I don't like you guys for doing that. But the fact
2: is that I think it means something. I, I really
1: do. What do you think?
2: Zou, so, uh, he 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 was that guy. You know, Glenn um, Glenn just played hard. You know, his, I mean, his game was just I mean it was yeah. unbelievable. But Zoe was the guy that. Um, he's hitting threes and he bunk kisses at everybody. And, <laughs> and just you know, he was a showman, man. He yeah, was, he, was. <laughs> he was. He was a, a fun guy to watch. You know, not an athletic bone in his body, but man, he just played hard. And and you you watched him overcome. You know, so much stuff. And um, and he, you know, he was. You know, he taught me how to work on my game. You know, when coming up, you know, I thought working on your game was you know going to the park and playing all day and. You know, going and trying, trying to find some older guys to go up against. You know, that's that was, you know, people were like, that's how you get better. You play against older guys. And, um, and then when I got here, he was like, no, you, you got to get in the gym. You got to work on your shot. You know, when nobody's around, you got to work on your ball handling. And and, um, and so I would go in and, and, and work with him. And, you know, he, he kind of taught me. Um, uh, How to do it, and so it was. You know, it was. I was happy for him because when he came in, he wasn't a great shooter in his last two years. Man, he was just a a flame thrower. Yeah, that
1: was well documented. Man, I'll never, I'll never forget that game later in in '95 when when he went to Michigan State and was throwing those darts up again. (laughs) I mean, I mean, it was beautiful. And the same thing, you know, he'd hit one and come back.
2: give the old kiss, side. I mean,
1: it was great, he he was he was really something.
2: He, he got me dunked on in the tournament because Alabama <laughs> hit a three, and I mean, he's back there celebrating and, you know, doing his thing, and, 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 and Alabama, I believe, had about three NBA players on that team, so, you know, they're getting that ball out, and they're and they coming hard, man, I'm like, what is this dude doing, like, it's three of them coming, man, I get dunked on, I'm just... Well, I, I still remind them to this day. Tell us about the night of, uh, you know, it
1: was an afternoon game, I believe, when we played Illinois last game senior year. Here at home, Glenn put 49 on him, And uh, the longtime sports writer over there at Shane uh, Lauren Tate. Lauren Tate. And I'm sitting, or I saw him after the game or something. He said, he's the best I've ever seen in this league. I said, better than magic? He said, yeah, better than magic. Which I would... You know, I would, in my own opinion. I I would put Magic one and maybe Glenn second, but I mean that's how good he was. And uh, and that forty nine was that was that was really something. Remember that day? That's and he did minute. have he did have a chance. I think he traveled late in the game. It might have been with about a minute to go. He, he might have walked with a ball or something. I thought he was going to
2: hit plus fifty, but I just I remember. Um, You know, the night before, man, we were just we were excited. You know, it was like, man, we we really got a chance to, you know, win a ring. And you know, you thinking back to when we first came in, and you know, we rock bottom. You know, and um, then all of a sudden, we got a chance to win. And so, you know, I remember I went to bed, and boy, I got a a solid eight plus hours of sleep. And he was a night owl, so he'd be up, and it was I believe it was noon tip on CBS, and so. Uh, with my eight plus hours of sleep and getting up and eating a good breakfast i got zero and you know he probably got about four (laughs) or five hours i got 49 (laughs) yeah and you
1: you got that good breakfast that coach katie later in life uh (laughs) preached so much gotta have a good breakfast
0: (laughs) gotta have a good breakfast and gotta make your bed coach katie always said that so you guys win the league uh as a, your redshirt sophomore your Glenn caps the season off at that game against Illinois. Disappointing loss in the Elite Eight uh, to Duke. Um, and to go back to what you were saying about Glenn, Larry, I, the year when I worked at Duke, um, Coach Krzyzewski said that that was one of the hardest handshakes he's ever made in his career was when he shook Coach Katie's hand after that game uh, because he had the ultimate respect for Coach Katie. They were pretty good friends. And uh, I know just hearing him talk firsthand several times, that he he just he loves Coach Katie, um, so that and he mentioned that Glenn in his mind uh, was probably the best college player he ever saw, and that and he's been doing it obviously a while and seen a lot of good players. Uh, you guys then you talked about it, uh, Brandon. After the your redshirt junior year, uh, you win the Big Ten again. Zoe's the leader of that team, back to back Big Ten championships. I think one of the one of the coolest teams ever in the history of purdue basketball as your senior year team um a team that had six guys as seniors yes you were back-to-back defending big ten champs but going into your senior year nobody in the league put you guys toward the top of the preseason polls
2: i i just remember we were pissed off because i think they had iowa um as the preseason favorite and we were like iowa like what have they done you know and so um we, we actually opened up the Big Ten season versus uh, Iowa. It was an ESPN game, and we just kicked the crap out of them dudes. We, we like, boy, they just, they just don't know what they got coming tonight. <laughs> and we just steamrolled them like, yeah, okay, pick Iowa again.
0: <laughs> so and, and that's, what, that's what made that team so cool was that you guys maybe uh, – uh, sorry to break this to you, but probably lacked the star power. Um, But you had six guys, and you think about that, six guys mathematically, one of you is coming off the bench. And uh, yet you guys, I think, it was the ultimate team and the fact that it didn't matter who went out each night and did what. You guys were there to win games. And I know fans, when you say that sometimes, they kind of scratch their head. It's not always like that. You're talking about 18- to 22-year-old young men. There's egos involved. There's individual dreams involved. It is hard to get to for a team to be all in like that, but you guys epitomize that.
2: Yeah, it was um you know, with the exception of Roy, you know everybody else had had been there, you know, their entire career. So um, we knew what it was about, but we also had two really talented sophomores and and Brad Miller and uh, Chad Austin, and they were they were also unselfish, uh, really talented, but you know they were fun to play with, easy to get along, so. Um, you know we didn't have any 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 problems on that team you know brian cardinal was a red shirt freshman um but he but he went hard in practice you know so it wasn't you know he wasn't taking any days off so it was you know it was it was a, oh I a pretty good group
1: i can remember having a discussion with brian during the season about you know when the season first started and he said man i he'd say man i don't i i don't really deserve to be here he said i can't play with these guys i mean these guys are way over my league. I can, And I used to always tell him, you know, just play, man. I mean, what do you – I mean, you're here. You're not going home. So, But he was – man, he was so totally impressed by playing with those veteran players like that. Of course, he was – He's was redshirting, right, I think? Yeah. Or no? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. he
0: did. Well, as, me. as Coach Painter always really says, I got the right guys in the room. Like, you wouldn't be here – if we didn't think you could play, you think we're in the business of recruiting bad ball players? Yeah. Like we like our jobs; we want to keep our jobs. I think,
1: I think though, and and Brandon, you know, now as a coach and recruiting players, I, I think the most, I think the two most overlooked things about this idea that people have talent. First thing is the, the talent. When someone says they have talent, they don't include the mental part of the game. I, I just always think that that's eliminated. Um, Oh, he can jump, he can shoot, he can uh, dunk, he can, he can defend, he can move laterally, he can do this. But can he think? I mean, a lot of times people don't, the game that they play, they don't really understand the game. And uh, that always bothers me a little bit because I think that should be in the talent assessment. Does he understand right. the game? And the other thing is, so many of these teams, the, the idea of uh, teamwork or what we call team chemistry, I guess, nowadays, so much of it is missing because that's a hard thing to get. It's hard to get, you know, 12, 13 guys all on the same page. We've been able to get that here the last few years. Uh, Preceding that for a few years, we didn't have that, and and you can see the contrast. But But that's so, people don't talk about that a whole lot. Sometimes you just think, well, we put five high school all-Americans together on a team, and right. we're going to automatically win the national championship. And it's Calipari. He's shown he's done it once, right? Right. He's right. done it once, and he's had best talent in the country every year, right? So, I mean, it's not so easy, is it? No, it is not. No, it is because not. when you're dealing with people's frailties or with their mental makeup, it's really hard to just keep I, it together. I think
0: sometimes you look back on teams that maybe didn't have success at the college level, and then you go back and look at a roster and you say, they had three NBA guys. You know, it might be a 10-year look back. And these guys, these players who maybe were relatively unknown at the time are now in the NBA. And you think, boy, Team X had three guys that are good NBA guys. They're not like bench warmers. Yeah, Illinois, yet, would come, yet, Illinois
1: would come to mention back in those days. I mean, Illinois would be a team that would come to mention a lot, and absolutely. Iowa and Iowa would be another one. Iowa would be another team that you would always think that they had talent loaded. And, of course, we know the Fab Five. I mean, it's not like they were wrapping up Big Ten titles. But you know? they were. But they got to a national title game. Twice. You know? yeah. yeah. So there were some teams. I'm thinking of teams
0: that maybe flew on the radar, didn't go to the tournament. And then you look back and say, Jeez, oh, yeah. what yeah, were right. they doing? They had all that talent. Well, it was a chemistry issue, obviously. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a talent issue. Mm-hmm. So you guys talk about that. Brandon, as you guys get through that year, tight-knit group, you end up winning the league outright. And then the celebration that ensued, three straight outright Big Ten titles.
2: Um, I know we won it. You know, I, I remember everybody talking about it, but... It probably didn't hit me until like years later, because I wanted to. Um, I think the only thing that eluded us was a trip to the Final Four, and so I know we we had talked about that. We're like, man, let's you know, let's let's do it this time, you know.
1: And you had two painful losses: to loss to Memphis. Oh man! And then, uh, which was a really painful loss that we tried to make up the next year, and that didn't work. And then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then, of course, in 96 was the loss to Georgia, which, you know, on a neutral floor. and So, yeah, that kind of took a little bit away from, you know, those three championships in a row because that team was a veteran team, and everybody said, well, you know, it was a talent issue and all that, but, you know, got them on a bad day, and that, things like that happened. But.
0: but really got this place rolling again, carrying us all the way into the late 90s, 2000s. Um, we talked a little bit about Coach Katie. You guys, Coach keeps in touch for the fans. He, he stays in touch with our program all the time, and the th- including the three of us sitting here. Calls Larry and I quite frequently. Um, checks in with me a bunch to just get updates on the program. I know Brandon, he calls you quite a bit. And I think every time you've, <laughs> you've mentioned, every time he calls you, he's wanting to know
2: about post defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he and uh, Coach Painter, um, they 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 teach post defense a little differently, you know. And, you know, coach is just, hey man, you gotta, uh, you know. Then I don't think sometimes he understands how big Isaac is, and it's and it's not as easy for Isaac to do things that other guys do, you know, because he, as Coach Painter says, he's he's carrying so much cargo, and so we always want to make sure he's in the best position uh, to where we can uh, ultimately. Uh, protect the paint and be in rebounding position when the shot goes up. And so um, you just, uh, two different views from two different eras.
0: (laughs) So I want, before we get on to your post-Purdue career, and then I want to get talk about your, now as a coach, um, and for the fans, a little background here. When we travel, uh, we're notorious for bringing up stories. And we have a couple thousand stories and we've told them a couple thousand times a piece. <laughs> but every year we get new guys. So like this year, Coach Lutz is going to be with us for the first time. So all these stories are going to come out again. And we're going to retell them and retell them. And Brandon is really good because he's got, first, he's got a great memory of these stories. Um, he was around for all these great teams. And he's got he's just got some, some really good go-to stories. I'm I want you to talk about the one after the Michigan loss. And when Coach Katie went around the room and basically got every guy. And I want, him to, I want you to set the scene and then get to the part where he gets to you. So
2: I think we, we, we actually have a chance to, to win the ball game. Um, and maybe, um, I can't remember the exact play, but I'm sure it was uh, something to do with getting the ball to Glenn. Well, you know, Michigan's not stupid. They're like, man, let's – you know if I if I was Steve Fisher I'm, I'm absolutely saying let's let's keep the ball out of you know Conzo's hands let's make somebody else beat us and so that's exactly what they did Glenn couldn't get the catch I uh, Einstein back ends up getting the ball he takes the last second shot um, he misses you know ball game you know so it's as you can imagine it's a, a disappointing loss for us all and so uh, we running back to the locker room and one of the Michigan guys just, you know he run past coach and they're like nice tie Gene you know and I'm like oh man they that just set him off man." so he gets in the locker room takes his jacket off man and just you know proceeds to rip everybody individually you know so I'm kind of sitting in the middle and he's just you know going at guys and I'm just like what is he going to say about me like <laughs> so, so on the one hand I'm I'm kind of listening, like, dang, you know, man, Coach just, just ripped this dude, you know. And I'm just like, well, I'm about three spots away, you know. So, you know, he gets the iron stand back, and he's like, isn't that fitting? Iron stand back takes the last shot of the game. Laziest guy in the program's history. Just, I'm just like, wow, you know. And so he gets to me, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. And he says, and Brandon. Brandon doesn't want to play center. He wants to play forward so he can shoot threes and he can dribble the ball and <laughs> he does his little dance. I'm just, I'm just crushed like what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so
2: we just had to sit there and take it, man. Then, of course, you know, you ask, you know, you ask him about it 20 years ago. He's like, I said that? Oh, I, I never. Come oh, on. You I never the, said that. You don't see the tears in my eyes? <laughs> <laughs>
0: good now we get we get stories like that around the clock which is one of the things and the he has to do it he has the
1: best coach stories I just
0: mean. has the best coach Katie stories. And I think you know you guys and you've talked about this a lot, we always say nowadays because coaching has changed so much and in those days you could get on guys like Coach Katie did and you guys took it and took and then took it as a challenge and went out and did something about it. And those days I think everybody would agree are long gone. You you can't coach that way anymore. Uh, the way, um, for whatever reason, I don't, we don't need to dissect that, but for whatever reason, society's changed. The days of coaching in that style uh, are extinct. Um, and we often say, with our team or with guys that are just playing nowadays, could he play for Coach Katie? And, and we'll ask that question. And that, that list gets smaller and smaller <laughs> every year of guys who could take that kind of coaching. Um, but you guys not only took it but I mean that the especially the guys you played with um, the respect and the love you guys have for coach Katie even though there are times when you probably felt about an inch tall um, it's always it's always there's always a respect level there
2: Uh, absolutely I think um, like nobody walked away and thought coach was vicious or you know he was hateful you know it was that was just our generation you know we you know, we were just you know we kind of expected it. You know, I knew what I was getting into when I came to Purdue. Um, my first first time ever playing AU, I was a uh, I was a freshman in high school, and um, uh, we actually practiced at uh, Gary Towson, which used to be a high school, and then later on was a uh, uh, converted into a middle school. And uh, Glenn, that was the first time Glenn and I had met. We were teammates, and uh, our AU coach would. Um, you know, you punch us, kick us, throw stuff at us. Just, you know, everybody's parents would be sitting in the gym, man. And you know, I first time I looked at my dad, he said, what, what you looking over there for? Like, wow, <laughs> 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 like you, you can step in any time and save me, man. You know, but um, never, never once did I walk out, and, and uh, I didn't think he was vicious. You know, I still, uh, we still talk to this day. You know, great man, I thank him because. Um, you know, I know he cared about me, he pushed me, you know, that was just, that was his way, you know, um, we, we, we always have debates, um, and, and I tell people when they, uh, when they, you know, they, they find out I'm from Gary, Indiana, and um, uh, we talk about, you know, Michael Jackson, he's the, the most famous citizen, you know, from, from Gary, and they, man, his dad is crazy, and I said, no, it's just the way dads were back then, you know, he was a hard-working man, that went to a steel mill every day, and, you know he's got. Um, uh, I think he has six boys, and you know when you got in trouble, um, you got your ass spanked. <laughs> that's that's how things were handled. You know that's how coaches handled things, and now um, it's different. And so, um, you know you you know you can adapt um, to the times. I Man, you you're not going to be successful because these kids are different. And so the kids are different. The coaches got to be different.
0: Well, last uh, last story I want you to share before we move on to your coaching career. Um, Talk about the time coming back from Christmas break, back to practice here on campus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so let me, let me set it first. So, um, the first time I think it was a freshman and I go home for Christmas break and I didn't realize that the region was on central time and, 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 and the rest of the state was on Eastern time. So I get Which back is true, and, and uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm walking. I get dropped off, and I'm walking in. I hear uh, sneakers squeaking. I'm just like, Oh man, are they are they doing stuff early? Or I walk past, man, they're going. I'm just like, <laughs> and I apologize, coaches. I oh, don't worry about it, babe. Just get your hundred stairs when you're done. You know, <laughs> that's on that's me. Okay, I'm, I'm late. You know, now
0: for those who don't know quickly, hundred stairs is you start at the bottom of Mackie, you go all the way to the top, and back down is one. And you do that a hundred <laughs> times. A hundred times. A hundred
2: times. Got to get it in before the next practice. So, you know. So, okay. I, I did my hundred stairs. I'm like, boy, I will never do this again. I'm going to make sure not only I'm on time, I'm early. I'm not going to be on time, I'm early. And so uh, this is my red shirt, sophomore year. Coming back from Christmas. I, I'm, I'm making sure we're leaving super early. And so we stop. Um, we get off on the uh, the 61st Street exit. Uh, 65 to uh, fill the tank up so put gas in the car uh, about to get back on the exit heading south uh, to West Lafayette getting to a, uh, a little fender bender because it was it was snowing outside the roads were a little slick and so uh, we get stuck out there um, uh, waiting for the police You to get the police report and I'm like boy I know I'm not gonna be on time but I'm good because I got a police report you know, it was an accident there's no way I can be in trouble. So I get back. And I said, Mom, you got to come in with me. Just so coach." Yeah, Coach, we got into an accident. And, oh, okay. Everybody good? Yep. And so uh, practice. And after it's over, he said, all right, babe, don't forget to get your 100 stairs in. i <laughs> like, Coach, I was in an accident, man. Didn't care. You know, but. <laughs> hey, glad you're okay,
1: but do 100. Oh, by the way. Get
0: your I, 100 in. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, but that sets you up the rest of your life for not being late.
2: Uh, no doubt about it. You know, I think um, when you play for a coach like Coach Katie, who was uh, so demanding and, and, and so tough that, you know, when you went other places, um, it was easy, man. Just, you know, the things the other coaches asked because uh, because of what he demanded from you. So, you know, it was it was one of the best things that uh, that ever happened to me um, in life. I remember
0: Mike Robinson shared a story with me about that, saying that when he before he got to Purdue, there was never an emphasis for him to be you know on time or early, and that changed in his four years here. Then he went and played professionally and played for a long time in South America. And he said the team, the one team he ended up playing for for a while, whose coach ended up coaching against us, coached the Argentinian the Argentinian team in uh, the World University Games and he said to him he said uh, this guy didn't mess around and there were a lot of times when americans would show up late and if they did it three or four times the next time they showed up late he just hand him a bus ticket or a plane ticket and said see you you know you're out of here and flew him home and that was it and mike said because of those all those years of being on time cuz i never had a problem cuz i would be early every time they, and they loved me for it just for showing up and doing your job you know a little bit early but Talk about talk then about your professional career and your time away from Purdue. Uh, we were listing the other day, or a couple years ago, when we were getting ready to go on our Spanish the this, this trip to Spain, and Coach Painter said, "Well, how many countries between us as a staff have we been to?" And he said, "He said, well, Coach Gary, list all your countries. Coach Owens, list your countries. You know, Elliot, where where have you gone on trips?" And so we list all these countries on the dry erase board in the locker room, and it was a pretty healthy list. And then he said, uh, Brandon, where have you been? And, and B blows us out of the water. I mean, he's got a dozen countries out there, of places he played overseas after his tenure here at Purdue. So talk us through that. You, you graduate, and then you head out, and you play how many places?
2: Um, three years in Spain, three in Italy, one in France, one in Greece, one in England, and one in Finland. Wow.
0: Not to mention some other spots where maybe you just show up for a while, like did you have a little stint in South America? you yep, talked about I would, Iceland I um, mean,
2: I would go over we actually went to Iceland for a um, um uh, cup game, so okay. we were over there for like a couple of days, but I played in Puerto Rico and Venezuela. They would have summer leagues, and so um after the season, uh, a lot of guys like maybe europe c b a guys and um um, maybe some guys who were just leaving the NBA would go down and play, and it was a nice paycheck, you know, just for the summertime, just you know, play some ball. Um, wasn't it, w- it was a really good league, you know, it was, it was real, really cutthroat, but it was it was good basketball. And so, um, when I got the call, I was like, yeah, I will go down, you know. It was, and I was like, you know, I had just finished playing in England, so I was like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to play too long cause I want my legs and. I said, man, maybe I'll stay for a month and just, you know, get a check, come back home. Ended up staying two and a half months. <laughs> so it was um, it was beautiful country, man. It was, you know, not as, they got a lot of turmoil going on over there right now, but um, I, I enjoyed it, man. It was, you know, everything that um, I was able to be taught by Coach Katie, you know, served me well over there. You know, I was a guy that would uh, get to the gym early, stretch get shots up get going before everybody got there and um, you know that's that's probably how I kept my job you know I, um, I had never been cut only only been cut once and I, I asked to be cut because it wasn't a, um, a good organization but um, I just I just learned how to get on people's good sides by you know just the, the, the things that I was taught at Purdue you know being being on time, working hard you know busting your butt on defense uh, being efficient on offense um, just just all the little things you know I would still uh, coach was big on uh, warm-ups uh, as coach painter is um, you know in the layup line you run you sprint back and you touch half court I did that my entire career and so were uh, some guys would kind of uh, you know would, would, would lolly gag and, and warm-ups and uh, when they get once the game started they would have to build that lather up during the game. Well, I already had that lather, yeah. in, so I can well, I remember um, I can get past some guys. I, I I was in the habit of watching that,
1: you know, just as a as a sideline guy. So I'm always out there because we have a pregame show. It's an hour. I used to call it the longest pregame show in history, but <laughs> but we're still at an hour. But so I always watch people warm up, and I knew Coach Katie's habits and. So I and I would always judge that if a guy would come back and touch the half court line, he was taking the game seriously. And if a guy didn't, then I'd wonder, hey, you know what's going on here? You'd be
0: amazed at the correlation with that. It isn't, is. Isn't it, something? it is a very simple thing, but it is amazing how that correlates to a guy being ready to go that day.
2: Coach, really yes. coach would have a manager out there doing the warm-ups and and they would count you know how many missed layups <laughs> and you had to run like the next day even if we won the ball game yeah right? that's that's amazing you know and then you know as a, as a young kid you're like man what man why is he doing that and then all then you, you grew up a little bit and 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 now i'm on the other side and it's like yeah i absolutely see what he was doing you know it's you know who's focused and who's not? you know how focused are you if you you know if you if, you, if you're missing a ton of layups in the warm up line, you' missing them with no defense? what are you gonna do when when the defense yeah, is
1: yeah, I mean, I remember when he when he retired and i and I requested to MC his last event because I wanted to talk a little bit about those things and who he influences, you know, it wasn't only players, I mean, he had a tremendous influence on me because. You know, I and one of the things that, that I've always remembered was you know expect the unexpected. You've heard that a million times. And when we travel, there's a lot of times that things just don't go your way. And I can remember going out the Rose Bowl trip, and I wasn't with Purdue people. I, I was with Purdue people, but I was with a travel company because Wazy sent me out there, not the network, and I wasn't with the team or anything. But we had a just had an abnormally bad trip. And I uh, finally, had some. We we're in like Orange County or some place like that. And some guy came over to me. And he said, "Larry," he said, "I just got to ask you." I said, "Man, you haven't complained one time. I mean, you're just sitting here like Coach Katie, man. Expect the unexpected. If you if 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 you do that, you're not going to be sitting here crying." And I said, "But understand something. I'm not paying for this trip. You know, you are. All right. So I, I can understand people complaining." But I'm not paying, and I'm not complaining. Right, <laughs> you know Roll what with I mean. the punches. Yeah. So, Brandon, now that
0: at, on the other side, like you mentioned, coaching, um, you know, we've been very fortunate, and and your situation as you entered Purdue very similar to when you joined the staff five years ago. Um, some road bumps early on um, in your tenure here as an assistant coach, and then to see it come full circle and to win the Big Ten last year. I mean, gratifying for all of us, but it had to be especially gratifying for you. And to kind of see, as you talked about, the culture return and the, and the group we have now—they're just so fun to be around and coach every day.
2: I was, um, <clears throat> you know, my first year as a college assistant, and 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 not only am I am I an assistant, but high major, and so you know, I don't know what's going on. I'm just like <laughs> every day. I'm just. I'm struggling to keep my head above water trying to learn from these guys and, you know, just trying to do whatever. Um, But, you know, uh, like last summer, I just, I sat back and reflected and uh, it was just, you know, it was incredible what what Coach Painter did because, um, you know, that that first year, man, it was tough, you know, and uh, Cliz talked about it earlier uh, on his podcast about, you know, you know, talent, you know, but the, the mental part of it, and you know we you know we didn't lack for any talent. You know we, we were we were really talented, but you know we had some guys who you know for whatever reason uh, weren't locked in, weren't about winning, um, didn't know how to play the right way. And some of that could be chalked up to you know the youth, but um, you know some of them man they were just they were just a little different, you know. And, um, and we we you know Coach Painter uh, made the necessary changes and. Uh, we bring in um, uh, freshman class, you know, these guys are the seniors now, and um, just completely turned it around, and, you know, it taught me, you know, taught me a lot, because I I remember um, I was on the road one time, this is before I got to Purdue, and I would, um, sometimes I would meet Zoe and um, and Coach Painter out on the road, and I would just watch guys with them, and we would talk ball, and there was a guy, I was like, boy, this guy's talented, and i remember coaches like ah oh, you know i don't know if he can you know i don't know if he can you know play at our level and i'm just like this dude got like a 35 inch vertical leap he's fast and and just goes to show you you know how he was how he was looking at it and and you know i was just caught up in the physical aspect and you know obviously man he probably been watching this kid watching how he interacted uh with his teammates how he handled coaching his body language and um, so that's that's one of the big things that, you know, I, I've learned from Coach, man, he's, um, you like a guy, you go get that data, get everything that you can, and, 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 and look it over, you know, not once, not twice, you just, you know, you just, you just keep at it, and uh, man, he's he's one of the best at doing that.
0: Talk about, too, you, you work with the bigs every day in practice on the court, uh, we've obviously had a really good run of bigs here, um, that has to be enjoyable for you, uh, not only the time you interact with them here, but then they've gone on to, some big things. The most recent, obviously, be with Biggie getting drafted last year. Uh, we had a chance to go down as a team and watch him play when the Portland played at Indiana a couple weeks ago. So, talk about your interaction with our big guys.
2: Um, you know, for the I, I tell people I say, "Man, this, you know, you don't have to. I don't think you have to do a lot with with AJ Hammonds and Isaac and and, and uh, Biggie because it. I mean, they just they're blessed with tremendous size and ability, and uh, you know, we we do our part. You know uh, the big thing is uh, just getting those guys to play hard you know with, with Caleb you didn't have to say anything he was he was motivated and you know he just he wanted it so bad and so coach did a great job with him so I like the, the little things the details uh, getting him to you know believe in what we were doing um, AJ and, and, and Isaac maybe a little bit more work as far as uh, going hard each and every time you step on the floor and um, you know, some other things, but, um, you know, we were just really blessed to, you know, be able to get those three guys, um, and, 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 and have the best front line in, uh, college basketball, um, uh, for a couple of seasons. I mean, it was just, just so big and hard to handle. Um, you know, I would sit back, uh, some practices and just watch those guys go at it. Like, boy, this is like, man, this is, this is major, <laughs> man.
0: Yeah, there's some epic battles on that end of the floor, especially when we split the team up and work guards on one end, big guys on the other. And I know sometimes you're in there mixing it up with them, and uh, that's a testament to how well you stayed in shape because you go out there and compete with those guys from time to time in certain drills. And uh, I know that that probably keeps you young when you're in there banging with. You, you may not feel like it at the end of the night, but – but you keep you young. You know, so
2: with a guy like AJ, sometimes because he, man, he would march to the beat of his own drum. And um, you know, when I when I got here, Coach Payne, AJ ready to go, and I'm just like, boy, like you know, you you could tell when he walked in the locker room, like, okay, yeah, this this guy's we we in business tonight, man. He's ready to go. And sometimes he walk in with that hood on, it's like, oh my goodness, we're in trouble. <laughs> Rolling the dice. <laughs> and so I was just like, I gotta find a way to i am try to get him going, and so I would get out there and I put the pads on, and you know I'll hit him, and you know sometimes he would just take it, you know, and so I'm just gonna keep, I'm gonna hit him harder, and I'm gonna hit him harder, I'm gonna talk about his mom, I'm gonna talk, and then you know I find that button, and you know I see in those eyes he get that light in his eyes, and I say, yep, it's time for me to step out of the drill, and, <laughs> and he just started killing everybody. Coach, 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 come on back in here, Coach. You, you did this. <laughs> and so I had to take one for the team, you know, but, um, you know, it was, um, you know, I was happy to see him, you know, finally get going towards the end of his career and, and obviously um, um, find a spot in the NBA. Well, it's time
0: now for our final four questions to end this podcast with uh, Coach Brantley here. Uh, final four questions Uh, that we conclude every episode with our first question is what is your go-to music of choice
2: my go-to music of choice it depends on my mood if if uh, I usually listen to hip-hop in the morning so um, it could be Public Enemy uh, it could be Ice Cube it could be Jay-Z usually when I'm when I'm leaving the office or in the evening um, I'm gonna go with some some light jazz or some R&B it could be The Temptations, Earth Wind and Fire Isley Brothers uh, you know
0: good stuff there Cliz oh yeah we've had far we've had far worse answers I can actually relate to all those me all too. those are on our on, on my playlist a lot of them are on Cliz's so we give you an A plus for that answer <laughs> <laughs> second question of the final four uh, what is your favorite book or maybe a good book recently that you've read
2: uh my favorite book is uh, by a guy named Nathan McCall makes me want to holler um I think it was written back in 94. And, um, um, when I, when I, when I wanted to, I read it overseas and I'm like, it just blew my mind. And so I would, I would probably read it, um, every year. I mean, it it would feel like, like the very first time I, I read this book each and every time I read it. And then I decided to get into coaching, um, and, um, I started off at the high school level and, um. I was at Ben Davis, and I, and I chose Ben Davis because I said, man, I I know there's some kids in that building that could use a guy like me. They, they didn't have um, strong male figures in the, in their life, and so um, as I got a chance to to bond with those young men and, and and help them move forward, you know, I said, man, go back and read this book. You know, I, I think uh, all young black guys should read this book, it was, you know, this guy, talked about how he grew up and he got on the wrong path and, you know, eventually um, uh, did a, a three-year bid in prison. Um, but, you know, he got his, you know, when he was in there, he said, man, I, boy, I can't go any lower than this. And he's like, you know, this is not me. And um, he began working in prison. Eventually, you know, he gets out, turns his life around, um, ends up uh, working for the Washington Post. But well, You know, you think about that, man, this guy's in prison, you know, years ago and all of a sudden he's he's with, uh, one of the uh, most prominent newspapers um, in the world and so you know there's a lot of guys out here struggling but I said man you don't have to um, accept where you are now and so um, that is probably my favorite book
0: I can co-sign on that I've read that book have it at home it's very very well done uh, what is a profession other than being a college basketball coach that if you could wave a wand you would do tomorrow
2: Hmm. Boy, I I'd probably uh, like to own my own sports bar. You know, I, I I'd be the bartender. You know, serving up drinks, talking to guys, watching sports every night. You know, well, I, I, I could do that.
0: <laughs> what would the name of the joint be? Big Cat. <laughs> the Big, Big Cat. Cat. <laughs> We're going <up> down to <laughs> the Big Cat and watch the Cub game. But not,
1: not grumpies.
2: <laughs> Put all my jerseys and pictures up. The, the, yeah. That would be They're cool. Like, Who was this guy? <laughs>
0: Put your <laughs>
1: rings clothes. uh yeah.
0: The big down the big cat. I like that. The Grumpy's <laughs> reference is uh we were going to a game in Minneapolis one time, there's a bar called Grumpy's neon flashing lights. And we go by and Coach Katie on the, was on this trip with us. We drive by the bar and Larry makes the t- No, Coach Katie makes the comment that I didn't know Jim Burr owned a bar. Jim Burr, an ex uh, NCAA official notorious for his scowl and his grumpy attitude, closes up front and turns around and goes, Jim Burr owns a bar? (laughs) 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 And the whole bus falls out. The whole bus started laughing because, uh, once again, the veteran sports announcer is. Didn't have a clue. Clueless (laughs) to what was going on. Of course, I think Coach Kitty then ripped you similar to how he ripped the players <laughs> in Brandon's story.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I've, oh, I've well. got a few of those, too.
0: <laughs> okay, final question of the Final Four for Brandon Brantley here is, what is one thing that no one or not many people know about you?
2: Um, boy, I wish I would have gotten these questions last night. There,
1: there, there you
0: go. I we know did. a good one, and maybe I'll give you your answer. Talk about your dog.
2: Yeah. Talk about your dog. Biscuit, he's yeah. a uh, biscuit he's, maker. He's 11 11 years old. He's a Boston Terrier. I'm a, I'm an avid dog lover. I love I love animals, um, but um, yeah, I, I do love dogs, man. He's um, um, he was a gift from uh, my mom when I retired from playing overseas and I was I think I was talking to her. I was doing some research on um, what what type of dog I would like to own and um, originally I wanted a, um, a big dog but I knew my wife she had never she, she hadn't grown up around dogs and I'm like there's no way I can get a big dog because that wouldn't work out I would um, have to end up giving the dog away which I didn't want to do um, so she had a pug at the time and um, well I love that pug but um, they shed a lot so I'm like well I gotta find a short haired dog that doesn't shed a lot so I'm doing my research and I said, boy, I think I found it. I said, I think, I think it's the Boston Terrier, you know, and, and uh, so it was my birthday. This was 2006 and so they, uh, they said they were going to come down and see me. I said, okay, so I get up in the morning I'm running errands and they call. I said, no, no, we're not going to be able to make it. You know, we'll just come down next week. I said, all right, no big deal, you know, so um, my wife was taking me out to dinner that night and so I'm upstairs shaving, getting ready and I hear some noise downstairs and I'm like, knew my mom's voice, and I was like, I thought they said they weren't coming, so i will come downstairs, and, oh, happy birthday, We just wanted to surprise you Oh, Okay, thanks, and they're holding this box. It was like a cake box. I said, yeah, we got you a cake, and I'm like, all right, you know, and we'll open it up. It's okay, and I, and I take the box, I'm like, boy, it feels funny, like, so I open it up, and, you know, Biscuit's just sitting there looking at me. <laughs> the old Biscuit maker. Yeah, now, so.
0: Biscuit, uh, Biscuit, he, to say he's his dog, I mean it's his dog slash child. Uh, Brandon <laughs> is in love with his dog, as he should, as all do- all dog owners should be. And uh, but Biscuit sleeps under the covers, yeah, in the bed, has his own uh, social media account. Yep, the the adventures
2: of Biscuit. <laughs>
0: So this isn't a normal dog now. This no. dog's on another level. This dog is spoiled rotten, Brandon, comes in. So most of us around the office, when we come in and talk, have kids about our children, or stories about our children, Brandon has his stories about Biscuit.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I thought that was pretty good information on Brandon, probably something that a lot of people didn't know about him. So, well, Brandon, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Um, we'll probably catch up with you sometime down the road long season ahead but an exciting one and uh, we're about ready to start it this week with our first exhibition game uh, public exhibition game against uh, carroll college and then the season right around the corner
2: yep yep thanks for having me
0: all right episode 27 here on the podcast uh, brandon branley was our guest we want to thank everybody for listening i uh, want to thank uh, the great sylvia booker for lining up brandon finding a spot in his busy schedule she's got <laughs> Many, oh, the, more, the, many uh, more lined up.
1: The basket of goodies is already on his desk. The
0: basket of goodies <laughs> sitting right there. I know Brandon's anxious to dig into that. We'll let him do that here as we wrap up. And until next time, I want to thank everybody for listening. Be curious, be informed, and be well.